We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Discussing the aggressive upside approach for three of our favorite players in 2023. We're going to look at two rookies and one veteran. And I'm looking forward to getting Sean's thoughts on these. Taking this information from a couple of recent articles Sean has wrote up on rotaviz.com. And as always, if you're looking to sign up over at Rotaviz, you can use the promo code RBRADIO2023 at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount. Sean, this should be a lot of fun. We have had... Some conversations about one of these players in particular. There's been glancing conversations about a second one that is a rookie. There's one of them that the listeners will not be surprised that is one of our favorite targets in 2023. We're going to go through all three. So I'm going to kick off with the veteran. But as we get through into our Wednesday edition of Rotoviz over time, I hope all the listeners out there are happy and having a, a good week so far. We obviously did our show that came out on Monday looking at some of the dynasty startup elements over at the FFPC and the Road of His Triflex format in particular, yourself and Bjorn are drafting at the moment. I know you're ongoing in that process, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out as you go round by round through it. But how are you doing at the, the midweek point here? Good. I mean, this is the best time of the year for fantasy, and we're starting to get some real news. And Colin, one of the things that we will have for subscribers on the site is a steady stream of news but not just reporting the most recent thing that happened at training camp but trying to put that in perspective giving drafters a feel for how to take that information and put it into context think about these players and what their baseline is where they're moving in drafts how you would use them tactically and so it's been a lot of fun to get some news on guys that is meaningful now i almost feel like i jinxed Brees hall because had a article that you know i think people enjoyed and had a lot of great evidence about Brees. and as a result of that the jets have gone out and made some decisions that seem fairly questionable we hope that won't happen for some of our other guys but today colin we're going to jump in with a young running back who i mean he looks like he's set to light the world on fire it is javante williams and I had mentioned in a couple of shows that if he wasn't coming off his injury, we probably would see him 
closer to where Brees Hall had been going previously in that third or fourth round range. So we're going to talk through why that may be a real uh, a real plus here as we get the, the discount on him where we think he should be going. He did avoid the, the PUP, and obviously that there means that we're hoping that he's pretty healthy at this stage, that he's going to head into the season healthy. We're still seeing, Sean, you know, J.K. Dobbins and some concerns around him and his injury recovery from last season. And um, so Javante seems to be on a, on a pretty good scale here as he comes back into action um, pretty pretty early in the camp scenario. So we're looking at one of my favorite things, Sean, looking to the 2024 draft and how the first round, second round may play out. And that you mentioned in this article, it's the, the main question you ask yourself when you're drafting any player is it highly likely there will be a substantially or will they be more substantially expensive next season so i guess sean the first question is is there a chance that we see him go from where he is now to that first or second round in 2024 a lot of that is going to depend on the overall environment that we get for player scoring because one of the things that you see and you see very accurate information on this but when analysts are looking at 2022 and 2021 and trying to see what worked you're thrown off by a couple of different trends that are at least somewhat unlikely which is number one that in 2021 we had all of those zero rb stars hit during the fantasy playoffs and really swamp the r1 running backs that's a little bit unusual one of the things that running back running back drafters could really rely on as the foundation piece of their argument for so many years is that you would have that star running back who would put up a big three-week stretch in the fantasy playoffs and you would want that almost regardless of what else happened then you look at 2022 and you have these guys really the four main players who emerge from the dead zone and when you get that much scoring out of that range and it's going to make it look like zero rb works right that it's the dominant approach and now everybody wants to chase that because of the things that have happened in the last two years now we would argue that it's been very clear for a decade that that's the way that you want to go but whether or not we're going to have running backs jump into that first round range to the one two turn and we still have some guys there this year right you still have christian mccaffrey austin eckler Bijan robinson and yet if we're going to put guys like a Brees Hall, even if he's splitting time, if we're going to have guys like a Javante Williams rise up to the one-two turn, not only are they going to have to score well themselves, but you're going to have to see some overall scoring trends that get people a little bit more juiced about those early round running backs. Again, we've drafted some teams that would take advantage of that. We've drafted, obviously, plenty of very wide receiver heavy teams as that's what we believe works year in and year out. But Colin, when we look at Javante Williams specifically, I think you can make a very strong argument. One of the things that I do here in this article is pull up the great advanced stats tool where we can look at what he was doing there two years ago as a rookie. And it was interesting because if you look specifically at broken tackle percentage, and often we're going to look at that and forced missed tackle percentage together, we're going to look at the evasion rate. But when you look at broken tackle percentage, the two top backs that season were rookies the only two guys with at least 100 carries and we did have a few people in that 75 to 100 range but the only two guys with at least 100 carries who broke tackles at that 15 percent rate were williams and then aaron jones last year that's for the last two years 
The best two guys in 2021, Javante Williams, Ramondre Stevenson, both of those guys average over three yards after contact. Both of them are at 14 or above. Javante Williams easily leads the NFL with 17% broken tackles. You look at what Ramondre Stevenson did last year, adding the receiving component and becoming a potential Uber back. One of those guys who, especially if things break right and the Patriots use him the way it seems like they'll use him. He's one of the players who can jump to Uber back status this year and be a star. He made that step in year two. Javante Williams obviously plays for a handful of games and misses. But Colin, the thing that I wanted to really bring out is that this wasn't some kind of a fluke. When you look at Javante and you look at that rookie season, he was extraordinary as a college player at North Carolina. So one of the things recently when we were talking about Travis Etienne as a potential breakout guy this year, and he's already valued as someone who needs to score well. But when we're looking at Travis Etienne, can he become the next Jamal Charles? Comparing him head-to-head with Bijan Robinson in college, and one of the things that you see is that he crushed Bijan in terms of yards after contact per attempt, in terms of evasion rate, in terms of yards per route. When we look at their two peak seasons next to each other, and I don't think that people have too many questions about Bijan. When you think about ETN before a couple of those things that sort of derailed his career, I mean, you were looking at a potential star. That's why you can mention him in the same conversation with Jamal Charles, because his numbers were that good. His athleticism is that good. His ability to catch the ball and make big plays in the passing game, again, that good. The interesting thing here when we pull in Javante Williams is that his evasion rate even higher just extraordinary numbers when you look in college, a 46% evasion rate. A lot of the guys coming out who are even people that are being emphasized over the last couple of seasons will have evasion rates in the mid to high 20s, and those are good numbers, right? Bijan last year, one of the reasons people are excited about him, an evasion rate of 32%. Those are good numbers. Yards per out, also better than Bijan Robinson. Rushing yards after contact per attempt, also better than Bijan Robinson. So when we're looking at this player who has dual threat ability and you look at the receiving component that he put up just in week one last year, it's interesting because now we're starting to look at Williams as really a potential star as opposed to a guy who you know will get you some points. And then it's a question of how will the Sean Payton offense work for him? We know that's been very favorable for running backs in the past. How will Russell Wilson be a fit not only with Sean Payton, but then getting the ball out to the backs we're starting to look at the specific scheme there in denver as being the key to potentially unlocking a monster season yeah so when you mentioned a number of things there just at the very end and i think a lot of those things are the reason for where his price is so i mentioned the injury part you mentioned you know the new head coach but part of that is kind of the the old system and regime smell is still on a lot of these players there's the concerns with playing with russell wilson how that might affect the running back from a pass catching perspective. And I think a lot of that is getting overlooked. The other part that's probably keeping that ADP down a little bit is the fact that they did sign some ICP Ryan early in the, the free agent process. But you mentioned in the article that he is also a target, you know, an option to get onto those rosters. We'll be drafting him quite a bit as well. But it's really intriguing to see the change in ADP of both of those guys since that kind of March time when when he would have signed where 
P. Ryan is rising upwards. We see Javante go down a little bit, and they're they're not that far apart in terms of where they are going overall in drafts. We see in the FFPC formats, kind of seventh round ranges, the RB twenty eight is where we're seeing Williams go off the board. You do with that pass catching element. Mention Alvin Kamara in this. He's going at this point in his career around the same point, and I just feel like it's a it stands out as a, a crazy value at this particular point in time that that he is. Every single potential negative is, has been focused on, uh, I think, with Javante rather than the positives that, that you've highlighted in this particular piece. So I'm definitely on board. The, the final question I have, though, when it comes to that backfield, a, a really strong preference to get Javante at his price or, or P. Ryan, you know, that kind of round or round and a half later. I, th- I think the, the better player by far in this, what the, the profile is, is Williams. Um, there is upside for, for P. Ryan, but... P. Ryan is one of those sort of players that when Javante is going in the fifth round, you want to target P. Ryan at his current price rather than when they're both going around apart. The thing that's been a little bit surprising to me is that drafters have definitely made an adjustment, but I don't necessarily know that it's the correct adjustment in that if you look at the FFPC ADP tracking tool, you can see Javante Williams rising from that point, and you can see P. Ryan starting to fall, but it hasn't been dramatic. Now, I should mention that in the drafts that I have done, Javante has gone quite a bit higher than he was going before, and P. Ryan often does get back to me at prices that I would have previously pulled the trigger on. One of the things here, too, is just that that doesn't necessarily suggest that we should have been all in on Williams or that the P Ryan shares are a mistake. I really like having a lot of both because then you're going to get the winner who right now looks like Javante, but very easily could still end up being P Ryan. You're going to get that player at a very good price at that time. And then even the loser you're actually fine with having drafted them above what the ADP is because you still expect meaningful production there and you still have a very strong contingency-based play. One of the things that I mentioned here, and I mentioned it more as a ceiling type of outcome, not this is what we should expect, but you look at what happened in Seattle and they were consistently among the bottom teams in the NFL in receiving expected points specifically to the running back when Russell Wilson was there. But that actually jumped to ninth for him last year with Denver. So already, even before the Sean Payton influence this season, you had witnessed a shift in terms of how Russell Wilson was playing. But the other part of that is just that the Saints always created a huge amount of value for the running backs. Now, some of that obviously is going to be Drew Brees, who will not be coming with Sean Payton. But you look at the 2017 season, for example, where you have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, 17.4 expected points for Kamara, 13.8 for Ingram. Colin, you're looking at that stretch where Alvin Kamara was the star in New Orleans, and he had either Mark Ingram or Latavius Murray behind him. During that stretch, and obviously it was the earlier stretch in that time period where it was Kamara and Ingram, you have 17.4 EP for Kamara, 13.8 for Ingram. Later on, when you get Latavius Murray, he's in that 8.3 range. All of those guys outperformed their volume. You can easily get a situation where P. Ryan's sort of average scoring level is still in that 10 point per game range. My belief or contention would be that when you look at what P. Ryan did in college, you look at what he did when he was finally given a real NFL chance last season, 
And then you look at the fact that Mark Ingram was always one of these guys who was a bigger name than he was an actual performer. I don't know if there's really much, if any, difference between Mark Ingram and Samaj P. Ryan, who, again, is a perfect fit for what Denver wants to do. I think you can draft both of those guys, but it's surprising to me. I mentioned the FFPC tracking when you look over there at Underdog. He's jumped about eight slots since the news came out. I would have expected that to be closer to a round and a half. And so you still have some time to load up on Javante Williams if you're a believer in his talent and if you're a believer in the Denver running game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving on now, Sean, to two rookie players, and um, I think I think we'll go with the one that we haven't talked about as much. We have drafted him on a few shows that we've done together recently, but we'll go with, we'll go with him. We'll save the one that people may be expecting to be in here at the end. I'm wondering if anyone will be able to guess exactly that. But this information is coming from the piece on the website, looking at who the next George Kittle may be. That's the guy we're going to talk about at the end, and it's how to you know continually perpetually reload that roster with the sleeper wide receiver so we're looking at the sleeper wide receiver sean this is an article that focuses on the rookie startup drafts and who has been drafted across the five teams that you have with different members of kind of the road of his teams and the podcast kind of side of things our teams in there the other players can be talked about in our team sean there's only two teams that you didn't draft this particular player in, and, and one of them was with me that is rishi rice off the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, Sean's a Chiefs fan, but uh, what's the the inside scoop here on on Rishi Rice for for the season? There's a lot of Sky Moore versus Rishi Rice conversations going on on social media at the moment. And we weren't able to pull the trigger on Rice because we did make that trade that we covered for the podcast. Anybody who wants more depth on that, check that out. Column will link that for you. But we made the move with some of our second round picks to get. Kenneth Walker, we'll see if that pans out. It does give us another potential star running back. Colin, we're recording this on Monday, early afternoon, and the news 
on the Seattle running backs has been unfortunate. Both guys going down. So if you were drafting both There's of no them, no running backs left in Seattle. It's if you were drafting them, worst nightmare. <laughs> he's like, we we can use a second round pick on a running back again in 2024, and, and we'll get that market cornered sometime. That's unfortunate because obviously Walker, a an impending star, Charbonnet, someone who does have some interesting traits and interesting contingency based play again where he is being drafted we'll see how they develop we'll see if our walker trade makes sense but column for the six leagues i was able to grab rasheed rice we've been doing a lot on the podcast on perpetual reloading have gotten a lot of great feedback for the dynasty series in general and especially thinking about it through that lens one of the things and this is kind of the framework for the article in the first place is that one of the things perpetual reloading allows us to do is to move around, especially in the second round, but even in the first round, we have a lot of picks as well. Move around, you hit the right tiers to get the strongest players at their positions relative to other guys. So we'll go, as you mentioned, discuss how we really executed that early in the second round at the end. But in the mid to late second round, the prices that we got on rice 207 206 208 and 210 you and i didn't draft him the other league where i didn't get him he went at the 111 and so that was going to be a little bit above where we were targeting it's still very possible that that pick could work out you think about where sky Moore went the previous year and i mean part of this is just going to be hindsight right but there's not a significantly worse argument for rice than there was for more you get similar situations in that these guys are small school players so that introduces some risk for you with rice you have someone who a huge part of his thesis comes from that final year and we know that fourth year breakout guys and then i think especially if you're going to look at it from a small school perspective that that introduces a lot of risk but rice was one of these guys who was actually dynamic last season and we have some wide receivers who were drafted even in the first round but then especially in the second round who don't really fit that category You've got good size at 6'1", 204. You've got impressive final year production. You're talking about 96 receptions, 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns. And one of the things I thought was interesting when you hear the way he's pigeonholed sometimes, his usage was well-balanced between the short, intermediate, deep targets. And when you have that, when you have a guy with a 41-inch vertical, he's going to be open when he's standing on the field for Patrick Mahomes. So certainly then when you get some of the positive buzz from players and Colin, one of the things i thought was pretty interesting when i was again looking at how adps have been moving in the last handful of days the big risers who jump out on the chiefs you have sky Moore rising you have justin ross rising he's somebody who is generating some buzz because he appears to be healthy for a little stretch here and he's getting some first team snaps that's pretty the relevant. other thing i'll say is that um you know, I haven't seen many players out there, Sean, that aren't generating positive buzz over the last five days. So we do, we do so get like a lot the Chiefs, of enthusiasm. The Chiefs at the moment, if we take them as an example, like every single one of their wide receivers is like ready for the Hall of Fame. Well, Richie James is the other player there too, who again is rising. So we're getting big rising numbers for a lot of these guys. Now, again, kind of where you are in the draft is going to allow you to have more room to rise. Justin Ross, Richie James going essentially for undrafted into this range where they become pretty trendy 16, 17, 18th round picks. 
the Chiefs have been trying to talk up Sky Moore. Again, we do know that he does have some athleticism and did some good things in college, but we also know that when you disappoint to the level that he did as a rookie, history is stacked against you. Now, I would always encourage people to look at this also on a player-specific basis. So when you look at Traylon Burks, for example, and say, okay, he doesn't have the numbers that you need for a rookie when you're going to project them to a breakout, there are so many extenuating circumstances there and Burks was such a big time prospect that that part doesn't worry me as much for him now bringing in DeAndre Hopkins in an offense that still could be fairly run oriented that creates some volume problems so it's not that in any way shape or form Burks is out of the woods but you just want to take the specifics of the situation when you're thinking through those guys and you're making your decisions with more I think you have some threat here Number one, I mean, Richie James may just be better at that role where they have some overlap on. But especially when you're starting to hear that Rice is impressing in camp, he's getting a lot of first-team snaps, that he and guys like Justin Ross might be able to put more pressure on the defense than you know some of the guys who would appear to be locked into more volume. It's one of the reasons why MBS is not a trendy player in fantasy and hasn't been throughout this entire draft season now are there some drafters out there who maybe are going running back heavy and then are saying i mean look we're probably going to get the chiefs wide receiver one almost for free and we're going to go ahead and take that and have that work yeah that's a scenario that you have to keep in mind it is a scenario that's possible but is drawing to a pretty narrow scenario given what we know about mvs his overall profile and how he fit in with Kansas City last year where he did not make the kind of impact that they would have been looking for from him. You get back to Rice and it's interesting to hear Matt Nagy talk about him. He says Rice comes from a no huddle offense there at SMU but it's a little bit different with the tempo as here and now. Getting to the line of scrimmage, running your route, having conversations with it and being on time, jogging back doing it again. He came in in phenomenal shape. He's made incremental improvements. It's exciting because the sky's the limit for his talent and this is offers a contrast for us when we think back to some of the mini camp stuff where rice was struggling with his conditioning so uh, this is a really cool note i think for somebody who his initial days with the nfl players had some struggles but then his first like real and meaningful opportunity the first time it's going to matter a ton he comes in and he's ready to play again you have to consider what Patrick Mahomes can do for these guys if they are in fact good. I mean, he's been succeeding with very limited weapons at the receiving position. Now, obviously, you have Travis Kelsey, and so not a lot of teams are going to feel sorry for the Chiefs and what they actually have there outrunning routes. But when you're looking at the receivers, there is a huge opportunity. One of the things that you and I talk a lot about, Colin, is that there is some risk to being early, but there's also a huge potential reward because once you're starting to draft these guys with mature prices, yeah, they can still have good seasons, right? But you, know, you look at Garrett Wilson, you look at Chris Olave, you look at some of the guys in that range. I mean, they have to have huge years to justify those prices. I mean, you're basically just saying, I mean, I think these guys can hang with the veterans. You're not necessarily saying you're going to be able to crush ADP from there because I mean, it's baked in. And so when we look at how you're going to beat ADP on these players, we have to look at guys who are in good situations where they have this combination of talent and skill that is impressive and where the payoff could be very significant.
100% and it goes back to kind of what we mentioned with Javante Williams and you talking about you know has this player an opportunity to jump up in the future year's draft and you're looking at somebody coming in as a rookie you mentioned the two perfect examples for this year and and uh, Olave and Wilson you know there's such an opportunity for somebody to come in and, and step up and become the wide receiver one for the Chiefs we kind of have dreamed about it in the last couple of years about who could do that especially since Tyreek Hill was no longer there and it has been a committee and nobody has really stepped up. You mentioned MBS as well and he is kind of showing what we've seen of him at the Packers, you know, a role player who will you know, stretch the field from time to time and has some some struggles staying healthy. So he's not going to step up and, and jump up to that next level. We've seen Juju Smith-Schuster there last year, but you mentioned the point of being early and at the current prices that are available for Rice and, and we are, well, I'm still certainly going to be drafting Sky Moore. I, I believe you're still in the of, of draft him as well am i correct on that i have a pretty strong share of sky Moore right now and as i'm looking at this i'm probably pretty comfortable sticking there and letting that balance out a little bit as he rises Colin, the implied element here that we should mention quickly is that these guys are all rising in part because Kadarius tony is uh, very much a question mark now I, the has been a question mark for his nfl career he has been and talented maybe the, question mark a very talented question mark especially with the ball in his hands but very limited really in terms of the other types of things that he can do when you look at his already limited profile maybe the most shocking thing to me over the last week has not been the rise from these other chiefs weapons but that Kadarius tony has not fallen a ton I moved him down like 70 spots in my rankings and he has dropped like 20, 15 to 20 spots in terms of where you're generally seeing him go. There's a big gap there. I, I don't think that you can draft Tony in any way, shape or form right now. And I'll be glad if I'm wrong because it'll be great for the chiefs. It'll be great for him. You want the player to succeed. You don't want injuries to take guys out of their career and really, you know, what, what their life is for them. The other thing that's tricky about with it, because there is so many wide receiver options kind of floating around the Chiefs, you named out pretty much all of them now. Then you have Travis Kelsey in the mix. Realistically, we're we're going to hopefully get one really amazing wide receiver to come out of the, the rookie or the second-year option in Sky Moore. But when we're looking then through the rest of it, it's kind of a case of like not all of these guys are going to be productive, but their ADPs are also in ranges where you can, you do need them to be productive. And that's where I think the, the bet on, on Rice and you know Justin Ross, we would love to see have that impact we'll we'll see how long he can stay healthy as well but the, the the chiefs if they come away with a wide receiver one and we're looking at a situation like the jets for example or the saints with wilson and, and olave like the as, as you mentioned a moment ago with his talent but the sky is the the limit of one of these guys can actually step forward and take the opportunity and i think if you are a true LF, nfl wide receiver one that's what what should happen we've seen that with wilson we've seen that with a lot and we've seen that with all the guys who come through even in a situation where you do have t higgins we see that with jamar chase we had a situation where there was a lot of veteran wide receivers in minnesota we've seen that with jamar chase the the, the true wide receivers are going to going to step up and out of that group it, it feels like rice is the the only one that that's really a possibility with and it, this is certainly in no way shape or form us saying that we think that rice will be at the level of those guys no but you can uh, the get potential him is there to, yeah the potential for him to take a big jump is there and to be the chief's wide receiver one now that won't necessarily still compete with the star wide receiver ones around the nfl but because it's such a great 
opportunity with Patrick Mahomes, the fantasy outcomes there for you, whether you're looking at a full season or looking for some individual shot weeks at the end, very, very high. We're going to get into the last guy now, Sean, see if anyone has guessed it. It's a tight end. It's a rookie. He's an ex-George Kittle, according to George Kittle. It is Sam Laporta. We have talked about Laporta at length through the draft process. Some people, obviously, Sean, we know some people will be coming in now to start getting their fantasy fix at this point of the year. We have a great community here at Rotoviz OT that are here pretty much all year long, but we're anyone that's in now, we're going to talk a little bit about Sam Laporta. So Laporta, obviously, we kind of everything, Sean, we hoped at the draft process time. He's coming into an ideal landing spot. There is other competent players around him at the skill positions, but it really set up where if he came in and hit the ground running, he could be the tight end one on this offense straight away, who's you know had a major leap forward last year in terms of offensive production, and we would hope to see something similar continue again. Not a, a jump this year, but to stay at that same level. So everything that we have talked about in the past the profile how he would fit in in the nfl it's probably gone as good as it possibly could have gone to this point through camp it's been fantastic and just again to create a little bit of a baseline and when you're thinking about the potential for a guy to blow up sam laporte is somebody 91st percentile 40 90th percentile cone 89th percentile broad jump so you're talking about a freak athlete here and a lot of fantasy managers like that and for good reason, but you need the guy to be able to play. And so then you look at what he did. I mentioned that he was the perfect arbitrage guy on the two higher, higher profile prospects. That was pre-draft, right? Somebody who broke more, more tackles than either guy last year, more yards after the catch and after contact than Mayer. Back-to-back seasons with 600 receiving yards. Finishes with a career yardage share of 25%. I mean, these are crazy numbers for a tight end. And then you come out and you have this situation where the – Offensive coordinator is talking about how, you know, we're a team that makes you earn that starting role or even taking reps with the first team. But he did that even before training camp. And so now he's taking the first team reps in training camp. And then you have head coach Dan Campbell talking about how Laporta and Gibbs, those guys, he thinks they they look perfect in terms of potentially developing together that the halfback and the tight end combo is perfect for beating the types of defenses that you're seeing out there now we know that they used the tight ends in kind of an interesting fashion after they make the move to trade hawkinson obviously they create a ton of value for the running backs last year i think this is an interesting note it's one actually we also had sent to us by a listener who had an article submission and i'm going to be getting back to him i really appreciate those anybody who does listen and is interested in writing for the site I mean, we can't necessarily get everybody out there going and we're not making promises obviously but we've had a lot of people come through the as readers come through as listeners and then end up as the stars of our writing team so that path is there august obviously a fun time to write about football and even the submissions that we aren't able to publish and that type of thing we really appreciate they're very very interesting so don't hesitate to send us those column i mean sam laporta seems like the potential guy to go out there and get some points and one of the things that i mention in the articles kind of talking about him and even a little bit how we look at dalton kincaid and michael mayer is that you have some of these guys looking at a Pitts looking at it, Evan Ingram, a Jordan Reed, and Aaron Hernandez. You have players 
who come out, and especially I think in that Laporta sort of mold where they score pretty well as rookies. So I mention Blair's research search all the time, which emphasizes year two for these types of prospects. That's very intuitive. You mentioned column that you like the guys in year three, and that is the second most likely year. So you can still get some of those third year guys. Again, we see that in Blair's research. You want to be careful not to overdraft these players in redraft and yet to be willing to consider the fact that that's the direction that the NFL is moving. And especially when tight end scoring is so low after you get past the first three or four guys, if someone is the right fit and is good enough, I mean, the season we got a couple of years ago from Pitts, even in what wasn't necessarily a great environment, that's not going to be the last time we see that. I mean, Pitts is a good tight end prospect, but he is not the first, nor is he going to be the last of the athletic tight ends who can come out and make an impact early. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more of them coming out through college over the, the next decade, I'm sure of that. So very, very excited to see what Laporta can do there. You mentioned, obviously, I, I do tend to like to wait a little bit on the tight end, but you also made the point on this episode where it's better to be early than to be, uh, you know, buying them up next year when we're in fourth round, <laughs> fifth round, trying to get them. So uh, very, very excited for Sam Laporta. We'll track all these guys as we go through the offseason. Well, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more puff pieces coming out about, about some of the players. That's always a little bit of trying to um, you know, decipher which ones to pay attention to, which ones to not. But that's something that in Sean's articles, he does a fantastic job of really getting to the... the I think the, the coach quotes that are really getting down to the nitty-gritty. So always awesome. Both of the articles that we mentioned today will be linked in today's show notes. I'll also link the podcast that Sean mentioned about what we kind of had to do to get Kenneth Walker to give up that pick that we could have potentially got Rishi Rice with. So we'll talk, I'll share that if people are interested in going back and listening to that. That will do us for this episode of Road of His OT. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work, including the pieces I mentioned today on roadofhis.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.